you, Taylor. Thank God for Cameron. He didn't know he was providing a little intro to the message, but let us pray, though, before we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you're still in the business of of saving those that are lost, those that are dead in their sins and their trespasses. And we just pray that today you would be glorified, that your word would be um, effective, that lives would be changed, lives would be affected, and that you would get the glory. We love you and thank you in your name. Amen. Let's go to chapter 11 of John, and as, um, as we read a few verses, I pray that we're all encouraged. Chapter 11 of John, and it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus, of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. And it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. The sisters therefore sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he, him whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus and her sister and Lazarus. When therefore he heard that he was sick, he stayed then two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are going there, and you're going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. This he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go that I may awaken him out of the sleep. The disciples therefore said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. Then Jesus therefore said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, therefore, who was called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. And when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, I'll we'll stop there just for a second. This message is titled, and it has had a number of titles, but the Lord woke me this morning and said, Jesus wept and is still weeping. And this passage is an incredible passage, both for the saved and the unsaved, to those that know him and also those that don't know him, even those that think they know him. It's a story of death, darkness, sadness, grief, gloom, hopelessness, 
but ultimately it ends in victory, joy, happiness, life, and peace. We all need the Lord no matter who we are or where we are or what we're doing or what's in our lives. Jesus wept and is still weeping. But why? This story is an incredible story. And the first point I'd like to point out is waiting on the Lord. Because as we look at this passage, we can see that they needed to wait on the Lord. Verse 3 says, So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is sick. And verse 5 says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sisters and Lazarus. And we heard that when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So Jesus stayed there a little longer. And I want you to think about something that's real important. Jesus loved Lazarus. He loved him. And they sent a word to him. They sent a message to him. They sent it because they had a, a, they had a glimpse of him. They knew that Jesus loved them. He loved all of them. And they sent a message to him. They said, Lazarus is sick. They didn't say come. They expected him to come. They didn't say, can you come now? They expected him to come now. Why? Because he was sick. They knew that his sickness was pretty bad because they probably tried to fix the problem themselves and maybe they took him to the physician in the town. And they tried different methods on him, different formulas, different remedies. And they didn't work. So they thought, let's call Jesus. Let's call the man who loves us, who loves Lazarus. We know he's able. We've seen him heal the blind man. We've seen him with the lepers. We've seen him with those who were sick and dying. And I want you to think about something today that's real important for us as believers especially. We must wait on the Lord. We must wait on him. Why? Because he can be counted on. And if we fast forward to the end of the story, we know the outcome, don't we? Lazarus was raised from the dead. But during this period... There was trouble in the household of Mary and Martha. Lazarus lay sick. And there's a few verses that are really good. Psalm 25.5 says, Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. I wait all the day. Why do I wait all the day? Because you are the God of my salvation the God who can be trusted. They had to trust him that day. They sent a word to him saying, come, the one we love. You love him, but we love him too. He's our brother. He's sick. He's dying. We're in desperate situation here. Haven't we been in desperation before and called on the Lord? We're in desperation, some of us, right this moment. And we've called on the Lord, and we haven't heard from him because he stayed like he says, I stayed there two days. Why did he stay? Because he had a plan. 
And God's ways are always not our ways, and his thoughts are never our thoughts. We don't understand how he works. But I can tell you, he can be counted on today. You need to wait. We need to wait for him today. I like a quote that I read, and it says, It might seem as though the master had forgotten them, but there is a divine remedy for all the heart's reasonings and a triumphant answer to all the enemy's dark and horrible suggestions. The enemy, horrible suggestions. What is the suggestions? Don't count on your God. He's late. He forgot you. He won't come through. The enemy's suggestions is God is not able. He forgot you. He doesn't love you. He's not concerned about you. Why are you waiting? God has forsaken you. God does not forsaken his children. He never has and he never will. And this writer says, unshaken confidence in the internal stability of the love of Christ. What do we have to do? We have to have an unshakable confidence in the internal stability of the love of Christ. Our God loves us so much, we can count on him. We can have unshakable confidence that he will come through. And he does come through. Let nothing shake your confidence in the unalterable love of your Lord. Wait on him. Are we waiting for the Lord today? As I read this story about Martha and Mary, it stimulated me to look at my life and say, are you waiting on God? Really? You prayed. Certain things haven't been answered yet. Not in the way I thought they should be answered. But he says, your ways, you're not. They're not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. And do you trust me? Do you understand? You can't see the back of the book, but I can. Do you know? Do you have an unshakable confidence in me? Do we today have an unshakable confidence in our Lord today? Do we, and that's, you know how you can tell if you have an unshakable confidence? Do we come to him continuously, day in, day out, knowing he's going to come through? Every day. We lay it at your feet. Lord, I know you're able. I know you're able. I know you're going to take care of the situation. So we bring it before him confidently, knowing that our God is a God that can be counted on to come through. Counted on every single time. He never fails us. He never has and he never will. He can't. And it, you know, I asked the Lord to show me a story, and I pray that this is a story he showed me. But we have some cat lovers, forgive me. <laughs> we have a couple cats at our, our job. We inherited them. The past landlord said that, you know, can you take care of them? So we have to give them food in the morning. And I come out in the morning. We, me and Steve, you know, we, you know, turn on loves cats, but I don't. So we come up in the morning, and they're hovering around the door because we come through the back door, and their little trays are right by the back door. We come over there, and they're just kind of looking at you. And I'm thinking, get away from me. I don't want to feed you. But they look, and 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 you come out the door because I don't feed them immediately sometimes. I go in and start working, and then I come out the door, and they're standing right by the door. And, and they know I don't like them. I'm telling you, they know. I know they know. I'm serious because I look at them and I jeer at them sometimes like, leave me alone. Get off my car because they get on your car sometimes because it's warm. I don't like you. 
I don't. And I apologize. <laughs> I do. Sometimes I feel really convicted that I don't like cats. But I go out there and I get this little cup that Terrence provided in this big bag of food and put it in their little trays and then they kind of, they're sitting there and they're looking at me as after I feed them, they look up at me every time I walk out because they figure, well, is he going to take it back now? <laughs> they do. And I thought, Lord, these little cats know that you have the food. They know I have the food in the, in the place. And they keep coming because they're confident that no matter what, I'm going to feed them. And I don't even like them. <laughs> but they're confident that I'm going to feed them. God loves us. Are we confident that he will feed us? If we're confident that he will feed us, why do we not stay at the back door waiting for the food? Why do we hide? Why do we listen to the words from Satan that says, he can't be counted on. Don't trust him. Our God can be counted on every single time. And we need to do just like those silly cats and just keep coming and saying, you know, Lord, I know you love me. I'm going to keep coming until you feed me, until you give me what's your heart's desire. second point because it says he stayed there two days and that got me why did he stay there two, two days longer he stayed there a little longer hasn't he? He, hasn't he hasn't answered all of our prayers has he look at the loved one that you've been praying for look at the one that you've been praying that God would just save and rescue look at the one that you said is dead in his sins or her sins and he said, why are, you why are you waiting, Lord? He says, I'm able. You keep coming and praying. You do your part. I always do my part. Keep praying. Keep preaching. Keep loving them. Keep doing what you do. Because I tell you, if we truly expect God to come through and save people's lives, what kind of personality do we have when we come in contact with them? What's the flavor of our attitude? We are confident that our God is able. Confident when we preach to them that our God will save them. Confident that our love of Christ will come through. And we preach and talk to them and deal with them differently because we're confident in our God. And it changes us so that when we communicate with them, we're different. We are because we know our God's going to come through. So we show the right image, the right picture of Christ to them. We do our part. We preach in season, out of season. We love them the way Christ asks us to love them. And we confidently wait for him. And the second point, the glory of God. Because it's interesting. Because what does he say? He says, but when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but to the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified. The Son of God glorified by what? What do you mean the Son of God glorified by it? Another writer says, and further we may add that in our trials, difficulties, sorrow, and, and exercises, if instant relief be not afforded, we have to remember there is some deep reason connected with the glory of God and our real good and why the desired relief is withheld. 
It is withheld. Why? Because God is able and he knows what he's doing. He does not make any mistakes. And what does it mean? Why did Jesus wait? His purpose was to show the glory of God. Now, I hadn't read this verse and thought about it, but a writer mentioned a verse in Exodus. And it said, it's Moses talking, it says, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Moses is talking to God. He said, show me your glory. And God's answer to him was, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. He said, what does that mean? Spurgeon says that this request was probably the greatest petition that a man can have ever, has ever asked of God. It seemed to me the greatest stretch of faith that I have ever read or heard about. Show me your glory, God. Now, what attribute is God going to show Moses when he says, show me your glory? Will he show him his justice? Will he show him his holiness? Will he show him his wrath? Will he show him his power? Will he bring to remembrance how he is omniscient? No. We, the still small voice says, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. Ah, he says, the goodness of God is God's glory. God's greatest glory is that he is good. I am blown away with how good our God is. I am blown away. Because that's why he looked at this situation with Lazarus and he looked at Martha and Mary from a distance and he says, I really care. I'm staying here, but I want to wait for my glory because I got a plan. And my plan is to let other people see my glory in this situation. Are we blessed by that? The goodness of God says, I care. And it also says, as you read in that passage, it says, he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He loved them. Well, why did he wait? Because his glory needed to be shown. The glory of God. He wanted to show his glory. For what purpose? What purpose? He wanted them to see who he really is. Because if we go to John chapter 12, verse 9, I think it's 9 and 10, it says, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus. To see who? To see the man Jesus raised from the dead. They came to see the man that was rescued from darkness that was brought back to life. They came to see a man that was transformed from darkness to light, who was dead, wrapped up, and decomposing in a grave. And news about that spread like wildfire. Did you hear about Lazarus? Did you hear about Lazarus? He was in the grave, wrapped up, 
and dead, decomposing, and this Jesus brought him back to life. Did you hear the story? He says they came to him not because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus. They didn't want to kill Lazarus. They wanted to kill the glory of God. They wanted to kill the testimony of God. They wanted to kill the fruit of salvation. They wanted to kill this man that walked around sharing what God had done for him. And people's lives were changed. And Satan wants to do that today. He wants to kill our testimony. Don't believe. Get discouraged. Don't show the light of Christ. Don't share with that person. Don't live the life that God has called you to live. Discouragement. But no, his glory was evident. And it goes on to say, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Because of Lazarus, being raised from the dead. Not because Lazarus was healed of a sickness. Do you understand that? It was because he was dead and now he's alive. Because he was lost and now he's found. Because he was gone and he was rescued and brought back to life. He was in the most despicable, deplorable condition and God says, I still am able to rescue you out of that. He went all the way down sin's lane to the end of himself to where it was no hope and God says I'm your hope and he wanted to tell all of them and the Jews some of the Jews looked and they said I have hope now because if Lazarus was raised from the dead I can be raised from the dead if he was rescued out of this sin this life of despicable condition I can be rescued too the light came on and people said, look, he did it for him. Can he do it for me? Right now he can do it for you. That same God is the same one. He's no different. He says, you're in darkness. You're bound by sin. Are you dead in your sins and trespasses? I can bring you alive. I can make you live. Live. I can give you life. I can give you life today, he says. I can give you life the testimony, the glory of God touched people and still it touches people because God is good. He's a good God. Then this is a wonderful point. Jesus wept. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who came to with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit. This is verse 33, chapter 11 and said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him? Do you think he looks now and weeps? There are mothers weeping right now when they look around. There are, there are Christian mothers and Christian fathers who actually see the condition of people's lives and they weep because they see the sin in people's lives. They see the deplorable life of sin and how it causes 
just dissension and distraction and, and un, the, the ungodliness, hopelessness. They see it and they weep. God weeps today. He's weeping when he looks down and looks in our lives and see lives that are far from him. He weeps. Today he's weeping because he sees each one of us and there are lives in here I know that he's weeping over. I know for a fact that he's weeping over certain lives in this room right now because he says, you think you know you're saved or you believe you're saved and you're not. I'm weeping because you've been, you've been fooled by the evil one. You're not saved. You don't really know me, and I want you to know me. I'm a good God, a loving God, and a caring God, and I care, and I'm weeping now. Right now I'm weeping because you think you know me and you don't. And some of you don't even think you know him. You just don't want to know him. He says, but I want you to know me because when you know about my goodness and who I am and why I came and what I have for you, this gift I have of life, then you'll be freed from this sin the chains that bind you right now. He's weeping right now because he sees the actual condition of our hearts. He sees us as we go astray, as we live our lives the way we live them, as we do our own thing because we do our own thing, don't we? God says, this is the plan I have for you. We say, I want to do this. God says, I want you to be a servant for me. And we still say, I want to zigzag. He weeps over that because he said, I need you. you. There's a mighty work that needs to be done, and you're part of the mighty congregation that needs to do the work. Don't you get it? I'm weeping over you saying, get it together. Let's go. We have a work to do, a mighty work. It's a mighty work, the work of God. Mighty. Lives are changed. They're brought from the dead back to life. And those that have been brought to life are being built up to be used. Are we part of that congregation that's moving in the direction? Are we working with the men and women of God in leadership to lead and do the things that God has called us to do? Are we sitting back saying, I'm doing my own thing. God is weeping right now over that. He says, no, stop. It's my business. This is my business we're about. I want you to get involved with my business. I want you to get involved so you can be a blessing. So you can be in part of my work of changing lives. Don't you get it? He's weeping. He wept and he's weeping. He's weeping for those that are still lost. That think they're found. He says, no. You don't know me. I want you to know me. And he's crying. He looked over Jerusalem and he wept. He looked at the two sisters and all the congregation and he wept because he sees clearly what is the condition of our heart and our lives. And he's not fooled by anybody. We can't fool him. Do you really know him? Do you really know him? Is your life really on fire for him? Do you really have a life that really is true? Is your salvation real, or is it a fake? If it's a fake, he weeps, because he doesn't want anyone to go to hell thinking they know him, anyone to be deceived. But the deceiver does. He wants all of us to be deceived, to thinking that we're something that we're not. 
What did he tell Martha? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. He says, I am the solution to your weeping. You're weeping. And I'm weeping because of you. But I have the solution to stop you from weeping. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And he said the question, and that was one of the best questions, do you believe this? He said, do you believe? Do you believe today? Do you believe that Jesus is the Lord of lords, King of kings? Do you believe that he loves you, that he died for you, that he came to rescue you? Do you believe it today? Do you believe? If you believe, then what should you do? Confess. Ask him into your heart. Say, Lord, change me. I was dead, but I want to be alive. I was lost, and I want to be found. The condition of this world is so terrible. I was reading something in Mark Twain. And he said something to the effect of a myriad of men are born, and they labor and sweat, and they struggle, and they squabble, and they scold, and they fight, and they scramble for, for little mean advantages over each other. Age creeps upon them, infirmities follow. Those that love are taken from them, and the joy of life is turned into a, um, to aching grief. What? What was that? That's his summation of what it's about. You labor and sweat, and you struggle, and you squabble, and you scold, and you fight, and you scramble, and little advantages, and everybody kind of fights with each other, and then bam, it's over. Life is just grief. Well, it is. I was listening to uh, Billy Graham yesterday, and he said something about um, a song. And um, it was the Rolling Stones. He says, I can't get no satisfaction. I like that. They said that, I can't get no satisfaction in their song. Well, of course you can't get any satisfaction. We can't get any satisfaction in this life without Christ. So we all, if you don't know Christ, you're singing that song, I can't get any satisfaction. And you won't get any satisfaction. It can't come because Christ is not in the picture. When Christ is in the picture, then we have hope. We have life. We have peace. We have joy. We have a life, a true life. Woody Allen says, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve immortality through not dying. Okay. You know, pass that along. Why would you even write that? I mean, they, they have these great thoughts and these great 
men and women who are entertainers or whatever, and they're important people, and they write down something like that to inspire people. Did you get any inspiration from that? I want to live forever, forever, and I don't, you know, I want to attain immortality through not dying. Well, everybody dies. So how are you going to... He had no clue. None. Zero. He didn't understand the solution. Or he fought the solution. And, you know, this quote from Gandhi has always stuck in my mind about, you know, if I would have, you know, I don't I'm paraphrase it, but if, if I would have um, uh, not met any Christians or something, then I would have believed in their Christ. A hogwash. That's hogwash to me. You know why? Christ says, if he knew about the Bible and the love of Christ, how could he ever reject him? He said, I'm looking at you, and since you don't really show Christ to me, I don't want any of your Christ. Hogwash. I look in the scriptures, and I look at the love of God, and I look at what he did for me, and I want him. If you don't want him, I still want him. If you're not living him, I still want this. I still want the love of Christ. He didn't want Christ because he didn't want to give up his life. He didn't want to stop doing what he was doing. He wanted to be glorified. He didn't want to put Christ on the throne. He wanted to be on the throne. He was an important person. And he says, I'm not going to relinquish this position to Christ. Well, he should have bowed the knee. Because if he didn't bow the knee, he's in hell right now, bowing the knee. All these reasons for not coming to Christ are hogwash. This is a God that loves us, that cares for us, that's interested in us. And you know, the last point is real interesting because it says some of them. It says many of them believed, but some of them didn't believe. And it says it twice. Verse 37 says, some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes who was blind have kept this man also from dying? He says, some of them looked at him and said, well, why did he wait? What are he doing? He's not the person you think he is. If he opened up the blind man's eyes, why didn't he save Lazarus? Some of them were doubters. And they said, I'm not going to believe. No way in the world. And then if we go to 46, 1146 says, but some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus had done. Some of them. Are you part of the some of them? Or are you part of the many of them? Many of them believed because they believed in the testimony. Many of them looked at it and it said, the glory of God is clear to me. I'm looking at this man, Lazarus, and I say, how can I not fall down prostrate before him? How can you today fall, not fall down prostrate before him when you see of who who he is, not who I am. Because I don't think I can give out the word the way it should be given, the love of Christ. I'm not able. You open the Bible, you'll see the love of Christ. You'll see the true illustration of our God, how he loved us so much that he went to the cross and died to rescue us, to give us a new life. And he was unwilling that anyone would suffer the consequences of living this life without him. And since the beginning, he's been looking down and weeping. Since man fell, he's been weeping for us. And he just he provided a solution, though. He says, I'm giving you a way out. I'm showing you that there's a door you can enter. 
that takes you straight to me, that gives you a life. Because you know in the end what they said. Jesus brought him back, and then he says, what? Unbind him. Loosen him. He's free now. I've given him life now. You want life? You want peace? You want joy? You want satisfaction? Because you're not going to get satisfaction from, the, from this world. Impossible. You're not going to get joy from this world. It's fleeting. It comes and goes. You're not going to get hope from your condition, your circumstances. You'll find it, but it will be just like you put it in your hands. It's like the air. Close your hand, it's gone. You can't hold on to it. But Christ, I can say, on the Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the rock, when, when he let, he unbound Lazarus, when he saved Lazarus, Lazarus was a new man. And if you read in the next chapter, I think it's verse 5 of 12, but it says that he was sitting with Jesus. In his, doesn't say it, but he was in his right mind. He saved him. He rescued him. Why? He let him die so that he would show his glory to us as well as them. And what was his hope and his expectation? Is that we would fall prostrate before him and say, I believe. Do you believe today? Some of them didn't. They walked away the same or worse. Many of them did, though, because they looked and they believed. They said, you are the Savior. Anybody here want the Savior? He comes, knocking, loving, hands open wide, saying, come, come to me. So I can give you rest, I can give you peace, I can give you joy, I can give you a life. I can give you a life that you never dreamed of. And then I'll take you to be with me in heaven and paradise. And you'll get to dwell with me forever. He gives us peace here on earth. But then the promise is even peace after. He says you will live. You won't die. Because the same God who's a God of good, is a good God, is a God that is a God that have to understand that we have to pay the price for sin. But he paid the price so we wouldn't have to. Some of them said no. What about you today? Do you want to say yes? You can. Satan doesn't want you to say yes, but God says, I'm weeping for you and today I want to offer you this gift. The same gift that I gave Lazarus. He was bound by sin and he was dead. And it seemed hopeless. And he says, I give you life. He offered it to him and he resurrected him. Today, you can have that. And all we have to do is just say, Lord, come into my heart. Come. Anyone here today, as we pray, you have an opportunity to invite him into your heart. Let us pray. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that the dead are able to have life. The lost are able to be found. The hopeless are able to find hope. But it's only through you, Lord. You are the way, the truth, and the life. It says no one comes to the Father except by me, by you, our Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning we ask that you would bless this word, Lord, that you would direct it into the hearts, that it would be used for your glory, and that lives would be changed. And if there's anyone here today, Lord, that wants to know you, that wants to have that life, that you offer. Impress upon them, Lord, to put up their hand and just say, I do. You don't have to say anything, but just put your hand up and we'll pray for you. That's all. Just a hand up, down, and then we'll pray. Is there anyone here today that says, well, I want to be alive. I don't want to go down the road I've been going down. I don't want to have this life I've been living. It's ending in disaster, and I'm not. I don't want it any longer. You realize you're dead in your sins, and you say, I want to be alive. Just put your hand up and down. Thank you, I see you. Anybody else? I mean, honestly, this is the God who weeps. Honestly, he weeps. He looks and he sees us. It doesn't matter what we think. It matters what's real. What's the truth? And he sees us in our real condition, our true condition. There's anybody here, anybody else that says, no, I know something's wrong, and I want to have him. I want to have that life. I want to be set free. I want to be rescued. I don't want this life anymore. Just put your hand up, quickly and down, and we'll pray. Lord, we thank you for this person who put their hand up, Lord. You're so able. Well, you know there's others here, Lord, that you've talked to, Lord, and we just pray that you would have your way with us, that they would make a decision. And we love you, Lord, and we thank you for this time and ask that you would bless it in your name. Amen. And dead, decomposing, and this Jesus brought him back to life. Did you hear the story? It says they came to him not because of him, but also to see Lazarus whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus. They didn't want to kill Lazarus. They wanted to kill the glory of God. They wanted to kill the testimony of God. They wanted to kill the fruit of salvation. They wanted to kill this man that walked around sharing what God had done for him. And people's lives were changed. And Satan wants to do that today. He wants to kill our testimony. Don't believe. Get discouraged. Don't show the light of Christ. Don't share with that person. Don't live the life that God has called you to live. Discouragement. But no. His glory was evident. 
And it goes on to say, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Because of Lazarus being raised from the dead, not because Lazarus was healed of a sickness. Do you understand that? It was because he was dead and now he's alive. Because he was lost and now he's found. Because he was gone and he was rescued and brought back to life. He was in the most despicable, deplorable condition and God says, I still am able to rescue you out of that. He went all the way down sin's lane to the end of himself, to where it was no hope. And God says, I'm your hope. And he wanted to tell all of them. And the Jews, some of the Jews looked and they said, I have hope now. Because if Lazarus was raised from the dead, I can be raised from the dead. If he was rescued out of this sin, this life of despicable condition, I can be rescued too. The light came on and people said, look, he did it for him. Can he do it for me? Right now he can do it for you. That same God is the same one. He's no different. He says, you're in darkness. You're bound by sin. Are you dead in your sins and trespasses? I can bring you alive. I can make you live. Live. I can give you life. I can give you life today, he says. I can give you life. The testimony, the glory of God touched people. And still it touches people. Because God is good. He's a good God. Then this is a wonderful point. Jesus wept. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who came to with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit. This is verse 33, chapter 11. And said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him? Do you think he looks now and weeps? There are mothers weeping right now when they look around. There are, there are Christian mothers and Christian fathers who actually see the condition of people's lives and they weep because they see the sin in people's lives. They see the deplorable life of sin and how it causes just dissension and distraction and, and un, the, the ungodliness, hopelessness. They see it and they weep. God weeps today. He's weeping when he looks down and looks in our lives and see lives that are far from him. He weeps. Today he's weeping because he sees each one of us and there are lives in here I know that he's weeping over. I know for a fact that he's weeping over certain lives in this room right now because he says you think you know you're saved or you believe you're saved and you're not. I'm weeping because you've been, you've been fooled by the evil one. You're not saved. You don't really know me, and I want you to know me. I'm a good God, a loving God, and a caring God, and I care, and I'm weeping now. Right now I'm weeping because you think you know me and you don't. And some of you don't even think you know him. You just don't want to know him. He says, but I want you to know me because when you know about my goodness and who I am and why I came and what I have for you, this gift I have of life, then you'll be freed from this sin the change that binds you right now. He's weeping right now. 
because he sees the actual condition of our hearts. He sees us as we go astray, as we live our lives the way we live them, as we do our own thing because we do our own thing, don't we? God says, this is the plan I have for you. We say, I want to do this. God says, I want you to be a servant for me. And we still say, I want to zigzag. He weeps over that because he said, I need you. You, there's a mighty work that needs to be done, and you're part of the mighty congregation that needs to do the work. Don't you get it? I'm weeping over you, saying, get it together. Let's go. We have a work to do, a mighty work. It's a mighty work, the work of God. Mighty. Lives are changed. They're brought from the dead back to life. And those that have been brought to life are being built up to be used. Are we part of that congregation that's moving in the direction? Are we working with the men and women of God in leadership to lead and do the things that God has called us to do? Are we sitting back saying, I'm doing my own thing. God is weeping right now over that. He says, no, stop. It's my business. This is my business we're about. I want you to get involved with my business. I want you to get involved so you can be a blessing so you can be in part of my work of changing lives. Don't you get it? He's weeping. He wept, and he's weeping. He's weeping for those that are still lost, that think they're found. He says, no, you don't know me. I want you to know me. And he's crying. He looked over Jerusalem, and he wept. He looked at the two sisters and all the congregation and he wept because he sees clearly what is the condition of our heart and our lives. And he's not fooled by anybody. We can't fool him. Do you really know him? Do you really know him? Is your life really on fire for him? Do you really have a life that really is true? Is your salvation real, or is it a fake? If it's a fake, he weeps, because he doesn't want anyone to go to hell thinking they know him, anyone to be deceived. But the deceiver does. He wants all of us to be deceived, to thinking that we're something that we're not. What did he tell Martha he said I am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me will live even if he dies he says I am the solution to your weeping you're weeping and I'm weeping because of you but I have the solution to stop you from weeping And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And he said the question, and that was one of the best questions, do you believe this? He said, do you believe? Do you believe today? Do you believe that Jesus is the Lord of lords, King of kings? Do you believe that he loves you, that he died for you, that he came to rescue you? Do you believe it today? Do you believe? If you believe, then what should you do? 
confess. Ask him into your heart. Say, Lord, change me. I was dead, but I want to be alive. I was lost, and I want to be found. The condition of this world is so terrible. I was reading something in Mark Twain. And he said something to the effect of a myriad of men are born and they labor and sweat and they struggle and they squabble and they scold and they fight and they scramble for, for little mean advantages over each other. Age creeps upon them, infirmities follow. Those that love are taken from them and the joy of life is turned into a, um, to aching grief. What? What was that? That's his summation of what it's about. You labor and sweat and you struggle and you squabble and you scold and you fight and you scramble and little advantages and everybody kind of fights with each other and then bam, it's over. Life is just grief. Well, it is. I was listening to uh, Billy Graham yesterday and he said something about um, a song and um, it was the Rolling Stones. He says, I can't get no satisfaction. I like that. They said that, I can't get no satisfaction in their song. Well, of course you can't get any satisfaction. We can't get any satisfaction in this life without Christ. So we all, if you don't know Christ, you're singing that song, I can't get any satisfaction. And you won't get any satisfaction. It can't come because Christ is not in the picture. When Christ is in the picture, then we have hope. We have life. We have peace. We have joy. We have a life, a true life. Woody Allen says, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve immortality through not dying. Okay. You pass that on. Why would you even write that? I mean, they, they have these great thoughts and these great men and women who are entertainers or whatever, and they're important people, and they write down something like that to inspire people. Did you get any inspiration from that? I want to live forever, forever, and I don't, you know, I want to attain a immortality through not dying. Well, everybody dies. So how are you going to... He had no clue. None. Zero. He didn't understand the solution. Or he fought the solution. And, you know, this quote from Gandhi has always stuck in my mind about, you know, if I would have, you know, I don't want to paraphrase it, but if, if I would have um, uh, not met any Christians or something, then I would have believed in their Christ. A hogwash. That's hogwash to me. You know why? Christ says if he knew about the Bible and the love of Christ, how could he ever reject him? He said, I'm looking at you, and since you don't really show Christ to me, I don't want any of your Christ. Hogwash. I look in the scriptures, and I look at the love of God, and I look at what he did for me, and I want him. If you don't want him, I still want him. If you're not living him, I still want this. I still want the love of Christ. He didn't want Christ because he didn't want to give up his life. He didn't want to stop doing what he was doing. He wanted to be glorified. 
He didn't want to put Christ on the throne. He wanted to be on the throne. He was an important person. And he says, I'm not going to relinquish this position to Christ. Well, he should have bowed the knee. Because if he didn't bow the knee, he's in hell right now, bowing the knee. All these reasons for not coming to Christ are hogwash. This is a God that loves us, that cares for us, that's interested in us. And you know, the last point is real interesting because it says some of them. It says many of them believed, but some of them didn't believe. And it says it twice. Verse 37 says, some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes who was blind have kept this man also from dying? He says, some of them looked at it and said, well, why did he wait? What are he doing? He's not the person you think he is. If he opened up the blind man's eyes, why didn't he save Lazarus? Some of them were doubters. And they said, I'm not going to believe. No way in the world. And then if we go to 46, 1146, says, but some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus had done. Some of them. Are you part of the some of them? Or are you part of the many of them? Many of them believed because they believed in the testimony. Many of them looked at it and it says, the glory of God is clear to me. I'm looking at this man, Lazarus, and I say, how can I not fall down prostrate before him? How can you today fall, not fall down prostrate before him when you see of who, who he is? Not who I am. Because I don't think I can give out the word the way it should be given, the love of Christ. I'm not able. You open the Bible, you'll see the love of Christ. You'll see the true illustration of our God, how he loved us so much that he went to the cross and died to rescue us, to give us a new life. And he was unwilling that anyone would suffer the consequences of living this life without him. And since the beginning, he's been looking down and weeping. Since man fell, he's been weeping for us. And he just, he provided a solution though. He says, I'm giving you a way out. I'm showing you that there's a door you can enter that takes you straight to me, that gives you a life. Because you know in the end what they said, Jesus brought him back and then he says, what? Unbind him. Loosen him. He's free now. I've given him life now. You want life? You want peace? You want joy? You want satisfaction? Because you're not going to get satisfaction from this world. Impossible. You're not going to get joy from this world. It's fleeting. It comes and goes. You're not going to get hope from your condition, your circumstances. You'll find it but it will be just like you put it in your hand and it's like the air. Close your hand, it's gone. You can't hold on to it. But Christ, I can say, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the rock, when, when he let, he unbound Lazarus, when he saved Lazarus, Lazarus was a new man. And if you read in the next chapter, I think it's verse 5 of 12, but it says that he was sitting with Jesus in his, doesn't say it, but he was in his right mind. He saved him. 
He rescued him. Why? He let him die so that he could show his glory to us as well as them. And what was his hope and his expectation? Is that we would fall prostrate before him and say, I believe. Do you believe today? Some of them didn't. They walked away the same or worse. Many of them did, though, because they looked and they believed. They said, you are the Savior. Anybody here want the Savior? He comes, knocking, loving, hands open wide, saying, come, come to me so I can give you rest, I can give you peace, I can give you joy, I can give you life. I can give you a life that you never dreamed of. And then I'll take you to be with me in heaven and paradise. And you'll get to dwell with me forever. He gives us peace here on earth. But then the promise is even peace after. He said you will live. You won't die. Because the same God who's a God of good is a good God. Is a God that is a God that have to understand that we have to pay the price for sin. But he paid the price. So we wouldn't have to. Some of them said no. What about you today? Do you want to say yes? You can. Satan doesn't want you to say yes. But God says I'm weeping for you. And today I want to offer you this gift. The same gift that I gave Lazarus. He was bound by sin and he was dead. And it seemed hopeless. And he says, I give you life. He offered it to him and he resurrected him. Today, you can have that. And all we have to do is just say, Lord, come into my heart. Come. Anyone here today, as we pray, you have an opportunity to invite him into your heart. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that the dead are able to have life. The lost are able to be found. The hopeless are able to find hope. But it's only through you, Lord. You are the way, the truth, and the life. It says no one comes to the Father except by me, by you, our Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning we ask that you would bless this word, Lord, that you would direct it into the hearts, that it would be used for your glory, that lives would be changed. And if there's anyone here today, Lord, that wants to know you, that wants to have that life that you offer, impress upon them, Lord, to put up their hand and just say, I do. You don't have to say anything, but just put your hand up and we'll pray for you. That's all. Just a hand up, down, and then we'll pray. Is there anyone here today that says, well, I want to be alive. I don't want to go down the road I've been going down. I don't want to have this life I've been living. It's ending in disaster and I'm not. I don't want it any longer. 
you realize you're dead in your sins and you say, I want to be alive. Just put your hand up and down. Thank you, I see you. Anybody else? I mean, honestly. This is the God who weeps. Honestly, he weeps. He looks and he sees us. It doesn't matter what we think. It matters what's real. What's the truth? And he sees us in our real condition, our true condition. If there's anybody here, anybody else, that says, no, I know something's wrong, and I want to have him. I want to have that life. I want to be set free. I want to be rescued. I don't want this life anymore. Just put your hand up, quickly and down, and we'll pray. Lord, we thank you for this person who put their hand up, Lord. You're so able. Well, you know there's others here, Lord, that you've talked to, Lord, and we just pray that you would have your way with us, that they would make a decision. And we love you, Lord, and we thank you for this time and ask that you would bless it in your name. Amen.